everybody and welcome to Cabaret Secrets. My name is Gary Williams and today's guest has been embraced by critics and music aficionados both sides of the Atlantic, winning the Backstage Bistro Award and the Mac Award for the outstanding female New York debut. She's appeared at the Lincoln Center in New York, the Ford Theatre in Hollywood and recently at London's Crazy Cox. The Times Square Chronicles described her as a performer who can captivate an audience on many levels, voice, phrasing, acting, persona, sensuality, and physical beauty. Instead, she has that extra wisp in her singing that leaves you breathless. Stacey Sullivan, welcome to Cabaret Secrets. Thank you so much. After the introduction, I'm like, wow. We're in London now. You came to us from your home of New York. I'm dying to know what you think. Do you think Americans are better at cabaret than we Brits? Well, I'm new to the London scene, the British cabaret scene, but I was at the open mic night at the Crazy Cox last night. I was very impressed. A major talent and lots of storytelling and great singing, good arrangements. Mm. And I saw a lot of truth, uh, very honest performances. So I'm not about, I'm not really drawn to showing off. I really love storytelling and the lyric. And I think if you talk to a lot of New Yorkers, they would say the best actors, the best performers they've ever seen are British. Hmm. Maybe it's just we. What do you mean when you say truth? I don't like showing off, really. I like people get, who get up and tell stories that mean something to them that they're not using a script, that they're, it's coming from a very real place, and it's a story that means something to them, that someone hasn't put on them. And uh, some, look at me, look at me, is not very attractive. And that's one of the reasons I love British audiences, because it seems like um, the first night I was here, I was pushing a little bit, and uh, the British audience was kind of laid back and said, we'll come to you if you give us something to enjoy. And I, so the second night, I, I laid back a little bit. Mm. I wasn't so needy. Mm. As a, I'm, I'm not drawn to needy performers mm. either, so I appreciated what the audience was doing. The second night, I laid back a little bit, and the audience came, came forward, came to me, because they didn't think I needed something from them. You know, when you, know so, when you go to lunch and you know someone's gonna ask you for money. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes it puts you off a little bit, makes you a little more. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. How do the audiences differ in your experience from? Because I asked Steve Ross this question, and he said they don't differ at all. But in my experience, you know, I work a lot on cruise ships. To that's where I'm singing mostly to uh, Americans, yeah. and then I'll work on some ships where it's all Brits. I find the the audiences very, very different. I do too, and it may just be the difference between the Crazy Cox and other venues because this is a very special venue, a very attentive audience, very disciplined, very smart, uh, very quiet. They want to. They want to hear every word. I think the audiences in uh, that I've experienced in, in in L.A. and New York are very rowdy, very uh, fun. You know, like standing ovations and loud applause and whoops. And I've not experienced that as much in London. But uh, do you change your show then based on where you're playing? I think you have to listen to your audience. Um, if I walk into the Metropolitan Room in New York, say, and it's full of family and friends and they're just whooping and screaming at the top. I may be uh, uh, higher energy, more out there, more off the cuff comments, uh, more talking to the audience. Uh, my opening night here in London, uh, no one knew me. I didn't know a single person in the audience. 
So they're just checking me out, yes. kind of figuring me out. So I stuck to the script. Yeah. I tried to be as in the moment as possible. Yeah. No little side comments, yeah. just back to the text, yeah. just sing the songs. And, um, and about halfway through, I felt the audience go, okay, you're all right. We're coming. We're going to come to you. So de I think we definitely have to listen to your audience. You know, if the energy. I know. In uh, as an actor, you match someone's energy when you're doing scene work. You match someone. And if um, if I'm doing a scene for a film, it's very different than doing a scene in the theater. You have to be aware of the of the medium, and be aware of the audience, and matching their energy. I think is crucial. Don't you? Well, for an audience, sometimes when I'm performing, I, I'm trying to motivate them to be more lively, or at a certain point of the, of the show, I might want them to settle down a little bit. I'm trying to perhaps influence their energy rather. Than, I'm trying to lead it, I guess, rather than then, rather than let them lead it. Mm. Depends on where I'm playing, but um, but I also know when uh, I guess when I'm beat I also know when you know when there's when all right there's a dominant feeling and this is usually at sort of corporate events or private uh -huh. parties or something yes. where you know that they haven't come to see us and we have to bend yes. a lot more to what they want it's okay it's that kind of there's uh, you know they, they, they all want to party okay I've got to, I'm going to forget that set I'm going to do this stuff and I'm going to give them what they want but usually in a in a theater or a cabaret room it's usually a little bit more I, th I feel we've got a little bit more control well, I think that there's also a respect level for your audience. I think that I can, I can manipulate or I can influence an audience, but I, my respect level is so high for this audience, this particular audience at the Crazy Cox, that um, I, I'm probably listening to them more than usual, maybe, because I, I appreciate. And there are also different colors in a show. Um, when I'm playing to an audience that maybe isn't responding, it's, I, I kind of internalize it and say, maybe it's me. It's not them, it's me. So I go deeper, or I'll find something that I think, well, maybe this will work. Because if that's not working, then maybe that. And usually when that happens, I find a color that I've never used before. It's a brand new shade in my palette. It happened the second night here. The first night was a wonder, I mean, we really got together. Second night, I didn't think I was reaching them. And so I dug deeper and I found a darker color in the Peggy Lee show than I've ever found before. And I was so happy at the end of the show they wouldn't stop applauding. They were just a quiet audience. They showed their appreciation at the end. Yes. And if I'd gotten, I think as performers, sometimes we take it personally. Of course we do. During a show, we think, oh, they don't like me. And I didn't do that. I just thought, I'll find something else. And I kept digging deeper. And I believe in the material. I believe in the show so much that I felt on some level I was getting to them. But I just trusted my instincts. I went, I went deeper and then, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience, a very different crowd than I've ever had. But every audience is different. Every audience is going to give you a different feel. And if I'm doing my job, I'm going to find something for them. The Peggy Lee show that you're doing here, obviously there's a strong theme there. Yeah. Do you always create a show with a strong theme, a strong hook? I had not done that before. Um, I was, I, I did 
a show, shows, I've been doing shows for 20 years, but I was raising my kids. I have two children and I was kind of a dilettante. I wasn't doing shows very often, maybe one a year, but they weren't really themed. They were just kind of like my favorite songs at the time. Yeah, if you're not doing so many shows, you can always rely on your friends to come yeah, and support exactly, you. You don't exactly. have to worry about yeah, that. I wasn't doing it very often and probably not very well. Um, there was a man named, uh, there's a man named Sidney Meyer. Do you know of Sidney? In New York City, he runs uh, Don't Tell Mama. He's run it for the last 20 years. And he's, but I had never met him, and he saw me perform in a show. And he came up to me afterwards, and I was honored to meet him. I was so excited to meet the Sidney Meyer. And he barely even said hello. He just looked me in the eye, and he said, You have to do Peggy Lee. I really wasn't familiar with Peggy Lee, but if Sidney Meyer told me that, it's like, I need to listen. I've, I've been working on this show for about five years, and it grew and changed, and I brought in a director, but I knew it was rich. I knew the material was rich, but the key for me was not doing Peggy Lee, doing me, doing Stacy Sullivan telling Peggy Lee's story, and every story that I chose about her was really my story. So even though I'm talking about Peggy, I'm talking about me. And do we know as an audience that you that it, how it relates to you? Yes. I mean, I, I did a show with one of her co-writers 20 years ago. And um, I did a song called Angels on Your Pillow that he wrote with Peggy. And I sang it to my kids as a lullaby. So there was a connection. Um, and then I started researching her life, and I found so many similarities, which you really can with any... You know, if you if you have that connection, that that emotional connection, you can. There's so much that's been written about her that there was. I mean, it was rich. the The soil was so rich with stories that I could pick and choose, and she recorded over a thousand songs, so I could pick the songs I wanted to sing. <laughs> so when you're putting the show together, you anybody who's read the Cabaret Secrets but will know that I. Um, uh, suggest to people when they're starting out to use a template. I there's a particular I'd realised over the years as once I examined the work that I'd been doing that I always tended to open the show with a particular mm -hmm. type of number. The second number was always yeah, I'd always close the show in a particular yeah. way and and there was even though the songs would be different the structure would be the same. Does that resonate with you at all? It does resonate with me because um, the Peggy Lee took me five years to work on. And um, I'm, my new show is based on uh, Marion McPartland, Piano Jazz. And um, it was very interesting because I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I was using Peggy as a template, the, sh the Peggy Lee show as a template for the Marion McPartland show. And it took me five years to put Peggy together, but Marion McPartland came together. Five minutes. So, well, <laughs> that wouldn't be very good, would it? <laughs> but it came together so quickly because I had something that had worked for me, a template, mm. if you will. And it's also not just a jazz set. You know, we're just not gonna sing a bunch of songs. Mm. This actually has some story to it. And that's what There's separates Cabaret from just a, a concert to me. And I, and I love Cabaret so much because I go see sets now, jazz sets or just yeah, music sets, and people just singing songs and tiny little bits of patter, linking them. And, I, and oftentimes, because I've been so spoiled in cabaret, I leave thinking, I want more. I want a story. I, I love cabaret for that reason. It has that, the narrative, which you, you feel like you, maybe you learned a little bit, you know, about, about the performer and then maybe about another performer or the music itself. I worked with a great director 
here in New York. Her name is Sandra Lee. And Sandra, Sandra was the youngest member of the Actors Studio. She taught for Stella Adler for 30 years. But she was also the original Tiger Lily. She was Jerome Robbins' muse. She's a wonderful performer, but she's, she's about yay high. She's a tiny little lady, but she's powerful and you know just has opinions. And she came in and really helped me with the Peggy Lee. And she, you know, she, kind of, she kind of kicked my ass. She um, came and saw my Peggy Lee show after I'd been doing it for a while. And I was realizing that I was going to have, so much of it was um, improvised that I had a feeling that I would be doing this show until I die. And I was going through a little bit of a crisis because I realized I was having a hard time keeping it fresh. It was starting to sound da 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 I was saying things the same way I'd said them each time. So she really, she really um, whipped me into shape and I started going to, to her acting class twice a week and performing in front of these 20-year-old kids. What she had me do was my patter from my shows as a monologue no songs just the patter so it really helped me figure out uh, what are you saying and how does it link to the song that gets you into the next part of the story because we're like um, babies with security blankets with the songs because we're singers you know we're, we're singers and really, it's just patter. It's just a few words linking the song. And she said, no, it's not. This is the meat. This is the story. And to strip away the music and have to do your patter as a monologue in front of these 20-year-old kids, these serious actors who weren't singers, they weren't musicians, it just stripped me bare. I felt like I was naked up there for months and months and months. I would do that. And uh, I did the same thing with the Marion McPartland show. Very uh, unnerving for you. I mean, you must have been, must have been terrified. But did you sweat? I did, and I still do. <laughs> <laughs> I actually debuted my Marion McPartland show out in California at the Boston Court Theater. And then I did it again at the Green Space in New York for Jonathan Schwartz and WNYC. I'd already performed it a couple of times, but I had not performed it as a monologue in front of my class. Yeah. I wasn't nervous in California. I wasn't nervous at WNYC. I got before those 20-year-old kids and I was sweating bullets. <laughs> Couldn't remember where I was. And it, it kind of does keep you in the moment, too. When you don't have the songs between to think about what's coming next. You know, you're kind of on cruise control during the songs. You're like, you can think while you're singing about what's going to be the next bit and and you don't have that you don't have that time so you have to be completely present about what you're saying right now so how did your patter change after working on it like that for a while you figure out what works and also Sandra got me to really script my shows like I've used the word really with you about a dozen times if I had scripted this interview, I would only use really maybe once, if at, <laughs> if at all. So when I scripted it, I cut out all of the fat. And so you, you, before that, it wasn't really scripted. I mean, you yeah. sort of had the... Because some people tell me that they, like to, they don't like to work with a script. They, prefer, they like to work with kind of bullet points. They kind of know where they're going. You know, they've got the main gist of what this is about. Uh, was it similar for you before? You sort of knew the gist? Yes. Before I kind of knew the gist, but I, may, I don't think I'm smart enough <laughs> to do things. I've seen you perform last night, just a very brief moment. It's the first time I've seen you perform, but you're so bright 
and you can think on your feet and you were, you were so good. I have a feeling you could do bullet points. For me, I think it works better, at least at this point in my career, to be scripted. Because I'm kind of early in my career. I'm kind of new at this. I feel like there's so much I need to learn. There's so many places I need to grow. And I'll see where it takes me. Maybe bullet points will work for me in the next show. Well, I've been doing this for you know quite a long time. And for me, it's every word is scripted. <gasps> you too. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. And it didn't sound like it at all <laughs> last and, night. And, well, and that's, to me, the challenge is working with the script. That's the way I do it. But the challenge is making the script sound for real every yes. time I do it. That's, that's the work. That freshness of thought. Mm. And that, that is the real work. But it's easy, it's made easier with having different audiences every night because audiences, they do give, I think if we're, it's like actors, isn't it? It's reacting, but if yeah. we're listening, we need to listen, don't we, as actors, as performers. And, and, and rather than listening to another actor on the stage that I'm having a dialogue with, the, the dialogue, even though it's mostly one-sided, is with the audience. And I'm listening to them. And I'm, you know, changing what I'm doing a little bit, even if it's just the reflections and the tone mm -hmm. based on what they're giving me back. And um, because the audiences have been so quiet at Crazy Cox, they're not giving, it's an energy. Mm. Or even uh, what's really nice is when you can see the faces mm. and expression, mm. and expression, listening to their expressions mm -hmm. can help you sometimes nice. too. But a lot of audiences um, are not aware of how their expression affects a performer. Because I have been performing since I was a, a very small child. And I, after all of these years, I do know that the expression they have on their face may be 180 degrees from what they're thinking. And that's been a real lesson because I think someone hates me in the audience and they'll come up and tell me how moved they were. They're just not capable of showing their expressions. And that's why we're the performers and they're not. Yeah, good point. And, and sometimes I think as performers, we ask too much of them. Because they're not there to give me anything. They've paid their money. I'm the one in charge of giving. How dare me expect anything from these people who are paying? You know, and, and I think that sometimes we do that. Oh, can you please just... What I will do, though, is I will look around an audience and I will find that friendly face. Mm. And, well, occasionally, <laughs> when I haven't been able to find the friendly face, I will find a, a silhouette of a face that's backlit so I can't see their expression <laughs> and just picture them loving me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. If I'm doing a show and it's really not going very well, it just makes me... Um, up my energy. I mean, it just, it's it's much harder work and it's exhausting. I'd rather get that energy from the audience, but yeah. if they're not giving it to me, I, I got to turn it up. But it was interesting the other night. I usually do that too, but the other night the audience was so quiet, and the and the first audience had been very very responsive, and I got really dark. I kind of went into a dark place, but it's Peggy Lee. You can go dark, and that's what I mean. It brought another a new color. Because it was just kind of, it was kind of sad and my energy changed, but I was like, I want to use that color again. Nice to listen and respond to the audience. It's the first time I'd gone there as an actor and it was a good place to go. And, and as I was going into that place, the energy was so different than I'd ever used before. And I said, this is the right energy. And up energy is not right for Peggy Lee at this moment. It's like you said at the beginning, uh, truth. Truth. 
truth. And that's the way I was feeling at that moment. Instead of trying to pretend like I wasn't disappointed that the audience wasn't with me like I thought the other audience had been, um, just go with it. And you know what? Peggy Lee was disappointed in her life. And all of a sudden it was so true. And uh, I think it was during Johnny Guitar that it just, it was like she was so disappointed in Dave Barber. It's like, this works, this feels real. Oh, that's what I'm going for. Thank you for listening to this Cabaret Secrets podcast. If you've got any comments or questions, please visit cabaretsecrets.com where you'll also find details of the Cabaret Secrets book, an indispensable guide on how to create your own show, travel the world, and get paid to do what you love. <laughs>